0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today is number four in my series on Miracles in Matthew, Jesus Heals a Centurion Servant. We find out what that centurion understood. He understood authority. I have men above me and men below me, but commands come to me, I command those under me to do it. And you have that authority over sickness and disease. You operate in a realm I don't even have. Let's go to the Word of God today and find out the importance of understanding
1: your authority. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello,
0: and welcome back to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. So glad to have you here today. This is section number four, uh, lesson number four in Miracles in Matthew. And today we're going to take up the healing of the centurion's servant. Let me again give you how this came into being, why, why, are these, is this section right here in chapter eight and chapter nine mentioned where it's just one person after another, individuals? It's because before this time, Jesus healed multitudes and it said of the multitudes, he healed everybody of everything. Well, think about the multitudes. There had to be some rich people there, poor people there, middle income. There had to be men, women, young, old, uh, poor, you know, re- I mean, you go down the list of things and, uh, you know, those ostracized from society basically are those that just, you know, were, uh, skilled workers and then those that were just common workers, had to be some servants out there. All they stood out there, but yet Jesus healed every person and then of every disease. Not only does he forgive us of every sin by his blood on the cross, but also by his stripes, he heals every single sickness. And so it's tied in very closely with the working of Jesus on the cross. But to amplify that, when Jesus comes down from the mountain in chapter 7, and comes before the people and he starts to heal people individually. And this is in Matthew chapter eight, the end of chapter seven, he comes down. Chapter five, six, and seven is Jesus doing the Sermon on the Mount and comes down after chapter seven. And in chapter eight, we find him one person after another, after another. All of these people amplify, he healed everybody of everything. And yesterday we took up, actually for two sessions, we picked up on the man that was healed of leprosy. And leprosy, Jesus starts with the hardest one of all in man's mind, not in his mind. It's like there's certain sins. We look at person and go, ooh, you've you done that? And we go, whoa, whoa. I mean, we're not talking about here a little tiny lie. This one, whoa. God's going, no, no, I can forgive all of those. I don't see them as big sins and little sins. The blood just takes care of all of them. And oftentimes, you know, well, ask person, what, what do you need? And they'll tell you, well, I got a head cold or something. we we'll say, oh, okay, sure. But if a person came comes to you with, you know, like a, a, a cancer and if they're in the final stages of cancer, then you say, oh my goodness, well, this is going to take a lot of faith. No, it takes no more faith. It's the same God, same power that does it all. So don't, don't, you know, put different categories in there and say harder and easier, not with God. So the first case we had was leprosy, which to man is incurable. And there was a law given in chapter 14 of Leviticus on how to handle a leper that was healed never had been used, never had been at all. And this man was healed and Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. And of course, when he went there, they had to find Leviticus 14 and figure out how to do this thing because this man was actually the first recorded case of anybody ever healed. It took a miracle to do this. It It didn't say how the man would be healed in Leviticus 14. It just simply said, if a man is healed of leprosy, this is how you do it. Which, you know, since it was leprosy, it had to be a miracle. And so it had to be God that healed him. And here we have it. God through Jesus Christ is doing this. All right. In this chapter, let's just lay it out for you here in chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17 is Jesus' power over sickness. In verses 18 through 27, we have Jesus' power over nature where he stilled the storm. Then in verses 28 through 34, we have Jesus' power over demons. And so There's three great miracles of healing in chapter 8, and let's break them down. First of all, we had the first one in the past two days, verses 1 through 4, is leprosy. Beginning in verse 5 today through verse 13, Jesus heals someone of paralysis, and this will be the centurion's servant. This centurion's servant, although he's called a servant, it was probably his son, because he was Roman, and in the Roman culture, the Roman world, you weren't considered a son until you became 13 years old. Underneath that time, you were just seen as a child in the house, you were under tutors and governors, this is brought out in the book of Galatians, so again, probably this was his son, his son, and this is why he had such a desire to see him healed because he loved him so much. Again, verses one through four, healing of leprosy. Verses five through 13, healing of paralysis. And verses 14 and 15, the healing of a fever. Let's take the difference between them. The healing of leprosy was a Jew. The healing of paralysis, this is a Gentile. And the healing of a fever was a Jew. Second thing, leprosy, this was a man and paralysis was a a young boy and the fever was a woman, a mother. In uh, verses one through four, where we have leprosy, this man was a social castaway. Where we have paralysis, this was an aristocrat's son. And where we have fever, it was a housewife. In verses one through four with leprosy, Jesus heals by touching. In the paralysis, he heals by speaking, and then with the fever, he actually touches the woman's hand, and she's healed. In verses 1 through 4, leprosy, he heals it instantly. In verses 5 through 13, he heals it from a distance, and in verses 14 and 15, a fever, he heals it immediately also, like he did the leprosy. Here we have kind of a breakdown, but I want you to see this begins to help fulfill he healed everybody of everything. Not the same disease, leprosy, paralysis, fever, and three different types of people, three different social levels. And we find he healed everybody of everything. Jesus doesn't give a rip if you're rich or poor. He just loves everybody. By the end of chapter eight, we find out Jesus healed because he loved people and then was concerned over all of them because they were sheep without a shepherd. And again, this is all brought out there. So today we're talking about the centurion and his servant. I'm going to substitute the word son in there because most commentators believe this was probably his son. And this is why he was under such compulsion to come and find Jesus and to have that child healed. Let's go to Matthew chapter eight. Let's read verses five through 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word or a word and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority. He does not say, I'm a man under authority. Look, Jesus says, I also am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, I say to this one, go and he goes to another, come and he comes and to my servant do this, and he does it. I'm going to stop right there for just a moment. This man came to Jesus and was surprised that Jesus said, I'll come and do it myself. He lived in a world where it was delegated. He said, I see this delegation all the time. He said, sir, I know something. I know what it's like to be uh, have somebody above me, and many below me, and above me is, you know, the Caesar, above me is my commanding officers, and then it comes to me now underneath me, and when I give a command from one, when I hear a command given to me, I just delegate it and give it to those. I expect that that's what would happen to you, because I know one thing. You are under God. He's above you, but those demons and that sickness is under you. I've heard about how you operate, and the way you speak to demons, and the way you speak to sickness is how I speak to those that are under me. I command him to go, and they go. He said, so you don't have to go. It said, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. The more you understand your spiritual authority, the more powerful you become in faith. He says, I haven't seen this type of faith. Not even it's not, not even the Jews who've had the word all this time. They're arrogant. This man's not arrogant at all. He sees exactly what's going on and he recognizes authority. This is something we need to see. I want you to understand something. Instead of approaching sickness and disease, going, please leave, understand something. You've been set over them. Jesus gave his disciples authority over demons, sickness and disease and over all the works of the enemy and told them, now go use it. And they came back rejoicing, saying, demons are subject unto us. And Jesus said, yes, but that's still not the most important thing. The most important thing is your eternal thing. And that is your name is written forever in the book of life. And his disciples begin to use that. They begin to understand their authority. What I'm simply saying is, when's the last time you understood your authority? Many of you are afraid when you come to sickness and disease and your first thought is, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? Well, understand this, sickness and disease is under you and you speak to them, they have to obey you. Jesus did this over and over again, and this man recognized it and says, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, though not in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what Jesus is saying? This man is a Gentile. And I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when Gentiles will come from everywhere. He says they'll come from the east and west, a reference to Gentiles, east and west of where? where? Israel. He says, you go east from here, west from here, and there's going to be many in the kingdom that will come and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the founders of Israel, the founders of the faith of Israel. He said, that's going to happen in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom who think they should have an automatic end because they were born Jews will be cast into outer darkness. Why? Because there's only one thing separating heaven from outer darkness, the kingdom of heaven from outer darkness. And that is simple faith, not your nationality. And he says, they'll be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant or his son was healed at that same hour. When he got back home, the kid was fine. And he said, how long ago did this happen? They gave him a timepiece. That's exactly when this man, Jesus, spoke that. And this centurion called Jesus Lord. The word Lord is kurios, and it's a word used for Jehovah, showing he was already a believer. And Jehovah and kurios was a recognition of his deity. It also recognized jesus Jesus as the Messiah of Israel, but also as the Messiah of all mankind. And Messiah would just happen to come to Israel. But he's going to rule the world. And this man realized something. I can receive him as Lord and Savior too. And then while watching and hearing about him and hearing what Jesus did, he picked up on his strategy and said, Jesus is just like me, a soldier sent from heaven and his commanding officers up there. And when he speaks, all those demons and all that, he's been given power and authority over them. All he has to do is speak the word from here, and that disease has to leave my son. Wow, what a man of faith. It's so simple, but it's so profound. And Jesus said to his disciples, I give unto you authority. So the point of it is, understand who you are in Christ. Understand what Jesus has done for you. Understand all those great things that's been given to you because of the work of Jesus on the cross. But more than that, it's been given to you because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's now your commander, as well as God the Father. And you receive orders from him through the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and by what you see in life. And we see demons in operation, cast them out. I cast out a demon from a lady in Colorado one time. And I mean, she was as stiff as a board, stiff as a board. I commanded that demon turn Lucifer and she just stayed stiff as a board. And I asked that lady, I said, Satan turned Lucifer for just a moment. Do you want to be released from this? She said, yes. And immediately I commanded that thing departed from her. Why? Because I realized something. I had authority over that demon. If that woman would have said no, then I had no authority because she wanted to keep that demon, but she didn't want to keep him. And so I cast that demon out and suddenly she just relaxed. And she, and I found out later she was still working in the church, uh, helping people there. What a wonderful testimony to hear that your simple authority, knowing who you are in Christ, can set other people free. See you right after the break.
1: Miracles in Matthew is a systematic studying of the healing miracles of Jesus, which are presented to us in the book of Matthew. This series emphasizes the fact that Jesus healed believer and unbeliever. Jew and Gentile, male and female, old and young, rich and poor. He made no distinctions. Healing was and is for all. The sermon titles in this 10-message set are Jesus' Healing Ministry, Jesus' First Healing, The God of the Impossible, Healing of the Centurion Servant, Peter's Mother-in-Law. Think on these things. After the healing, you are forgiven the healing of the two women, and avoiding unbelief. To order Miracles in Matthew, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bob Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach with practical biblical teaching that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
0: You know, the two things we're offering, Miracles in Matthew, that's the CD series, then also the book on the grace of healing. The book, you can read it at home, underline it, do things like that, mark them up really good, you know? And uh, you say, yeah, but what if I want to give it to somebody? Well, give them a clean new one, but you mark it up because you can always go back and read those notes you write into the margins and things like that, but in the car, I highly recommend you listen to these CDs in the car. It's a great place to hear the word of God. Revelation can come while you're driving. You don't get that from country music and you don't get that from rock and roll music or from listening to the news stations. No, what you get is the importance of the word of God and that news changes tomorrow. You hear the same songs over and over again if you like country or if you like you know, rock or whatever it is, but the word of God is brand new every time and revelations come. And I doubt if in heaven you'll be singing those old songs from that you heard on the radio, your old rock songs and and you know and country songs and stuff. But you'll be rejoicing around the Word of God forever and forever. One revelation will last you your entire lifetime and right on into eternity. So be sure and get a copy of that for yourself. And again, I just want to say thank you to all of those who are uh, members of my uh, organization, you know, that have joined Bob Yandy and ministries and now are become partners with me. Thank you so much. I appreciate your dedication to this ministry. I listen, the things I'm doing right now, I don't do them. And God doesn't directly do them. No, it works through your finances, your giving. And God works through teams. He worked with a team in Jesus' ministry, the disciples. And he worked with 70 disciples at one time. He worked in local churches. He worked with elders and deacons getting together. And, uh, and when services were there, as it was in later on in chapter 14 of Acts, when the Lord spoke from heaven and through the prophets and said, you know, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. And in chapter 13, that voice came in chapter 14. They were gone out into a Gentile nation. Again, God always works in organizations with people around. He can speak to you as an individual, but when the work actually gets done, God always has a group that joins you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for being a partner. If you'd like to become a partner, go to bobbyandian.com, and you'll find a place there you can join me. Thank you ahead of time for just being obedient to God and just loving people and wanting to work with me to reach those people. Here we have again, the centurion's son was healed. And the key word here was the centurion called him Lord. This again is an indication that he saw him as Messiah, understood him as the redeemer. And again, showing that he was a believer. And, uh, you know, Jehovah and Kurios was a recognition of his deity. It also recognized him as the Messiah of Israel. Interestingly, the religious leaders of Israel would not call him Lord. It was, that was a title they considered for God himself, but they didn't understand it. This was God himself standing in front of them. To see me is to see God. One time he said to them, they said, well, how could you have seen Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Boy, did they get mad at that. I am was a title for God himself. It was such a holy phrase to them. And this guy used it in front of them. They should have realized, though, if he did that and been doing all these signs and wonders and miracles, this really is the I am now standing in front of us in flesh. That's when he told him to see me is to see the father. So religious leaders would call him rabbi, teacher. In other words, a natural title that other people had because they recognized he could teach. And he did understand our, our religion so we could call him a rabbi, but they would never call him Lord because that was a title reserved for Messiah himself. And yet they didn't realize it. Here was Messiah standing in front of them. Let me give you seven Old Testament titles for Jehovah, okay? And Jesus Christ is Jehovah come in the flesh. Jehovah Shammah is the first one. That means the Lord is present. This is Ezekiel chapter 48 and verse 35 where this title is given. But Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present, is really a ministry that the Lord had, and though Jesus Christ didn't come till later, in deity form, he was always there, the second member of the Godhead. And Jesus said to his disciples, the Lord who is with you shall be in you. Now, with you is present uh, with you, and that's Jehovah Shammah. He's always had that title, and it was a title for Israel. So the Lord is present was an Old Testament ministry as well as a New Testament ministry. And he said to be with you in Hebrews, that he is with you, and no matter where you go, no matter, what you do, he is with you always, even to the ends of the earth. The second title is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. This is applicable to us today. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, Romans 5.1. But this title appeared in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 6 and verse 24, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. The third one is Jehovah Ra'ah, R-A-A-H. And this is the Lord our shepherd. Psalm 23 in verse 1, but also found in John. John talked about the fact that we are his sheep. He opens the gate for us. We go in. And so he's our shepherd too, but in a different way. He's our shepherd because he's our Lord and our deliverer and our Savior. But he's also the chief shepherd over the church of the Lord Jesus Christ worldwide, but over the individual church also. This is seen in Revelation chapter 1. Jehovah Jireh is the fourth one and J-I-R-E-H. And this is the Lord, our provider. Genesis twenty-two fourteen 14 is where this title first appears that God is wanting to provide for us in Philippians chapter four and verse 19 for us in the New Testament. And that is my God shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The next one, number five is Jehovah Nissi. N-I-S-S-I, and this is the Lord, our banner. This is the Lord, our victory. And a banner of victory was waved whenever the armies were marching in and conquering. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 15 is where this title comes. The next one, Jehovah Sidkin you, T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U is the Lord our righteousness. And Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse six tells us this, but therefore being justified by faith, we have peace and we become the righteousness of God in Christ. Abraham had faith in God. It was counted to him for righteousness. In chapter four of Romans, that's brought right to us today. And the last one, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 through 26. And in this one, Jehovah, when he called him Lord, this centurion called him Lord, is probably in reference to the fact that he knows that sickness and disease is subject to Jesus Christ himself, and this title of Jehovah Rapha, our healer, is so important, because Moses was brought to a tree to meet the needs of the people, and God then gives him his name as the Lord, our healer. Healing comes by way of the cross, the tree. As he stood by that tree, God gave him the revelation of that, and so we look to the cross, the tree, and that's what Lord became our healer. What a wonderful thing to let us know that healing is found in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This centurion was a nobleman, a leader in Rome and a leader in Israel. The man recognized authority, knowing the importance of men above and the importance of men below. No one on this earth stands at the top. You say, oh, what about a president of a country? No, there's still God himself. And oftentimes where you have the, you know, your mayor, your governor, all this stuff, there's always somebody above, even the president of the United States. And there's those that are above him in case something happens where he has to be removed, men can rise up and take that authority because our constitution says so. So there's no one on this earth that actually sits at the top. There's only one that sits at the top and he's in heaven. And there's no one above him. never sinned, so there'll never be a coup, never be an overthrow in heaven. And uh, one tried one time, Lucifer tried, and he was kicked out of heaven. And so again, this man recognized authority in Jesus and knew the importance of men above you and men below you. And what he's simply saying is authority is a sandwich. You understand that. You get authority and suddenly goes to your brain like suddenly you have all this power. Understand something. You're just the meat in the middle. There's a, lo- there's a part of a bread above you and below you is bread. So you are just sandwiched in between authority. The orders come from above. You tell those below you, they go get it done. And so this servant, who was probably at home sick. His son had palsy. Actually, the word means paralyzed, paralytuchus. And this was a young boy who was in continual pain. And Jesus said to him, I will come, just like he said to the man in the beginning of this chapter who came with leprosy, Lord, I'm not sure you will. And Jesus said, I will. But this Jesus was stopped when he said, I will, because he said, I'll come and come to your house and do it. This man said, no, no, no. All you've got to do is speak the word. And Jesus marveled at this. How often do we think, I mean, I've had people tell me before, pastor, you gotta come and lay hands. And I said, well, we can pray here. No, 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 you've got to come and you've got to lay hands. Like, this is something special. I like what this man said. I don't need you to come. I don't have the authority you do. I have authority over natural men. I have a man above me, even all the way up to the emperor and uh, the king, and I have those below me, but I don't stand, you stand in a different world than I do, but I understand something. You operate in authority like I do. You take your authority because I don't have authority over the sickness and disease, but you do. And this man looked at his own unworthiness. Abraham one time called himself dust and ashes. When Jesus was invited to come, the centurion knew that Jesus Christ was able. But when Jesus Christ spoke the word and healing came, he knew that he was now willing. Jesus told the man he would come and heal the servant and demonstrate his willingness to heal. This story is not only found in Matthew, but also Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Luke tells us the centurion did not come, but sent servants instead. This is even interesting. Luke brings out something Matthew didn't hear, but Matthew... Matthew brings out the fact that this man did come. Luke says, no, he sent servants. And people say, "Uh uh-uh, contradiction. No, Jesus saw the group of men that came as if the man, the centurion, came himself. His representatives represented him. It's the same thing with us. We as disciples of Jesus come. And as far as Satan is concerned, we are Jesus. And he has to obey us because why we use the name of Jesus. So the centurion understood Jesus' authority. Jesus was under God and demons and sickness was under him. Jesus was so amazed at this man's understanding of authority. He commented on this and called it great faith. This is not only an aid of one man under another, Abraham became strong in faith, Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. So what is said here of this man, of uh, that he understood faith and Jesus commented his great faith, Jesus probably thought back to men who had great faith and Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Jesus gives us his authority. Just as Satan and demons and sickness and disease are under Jesus' authority, they're also under our authority. In fact, we are seen as Satan is under our feet and Satan and anything to do with him is under our feet. We have authority over all of his works. We have authority over sickness and disease, the evil that he puts out there, but we also have authority over demons and we need to understand this. And that's why, again, the Bible even tells us Antichrist can't show himself till the church is gone. Antichrist is under Satan himself, but anything under Satan is subject to us. And so once the church is lifted up, Antichrist can show himself. This is all found in the book of first and second Thessalonians. But why I'm bringing this up is this, that's how much power and authority you have. Satan wants you to doubt yourself. Satan wants you to think you're just nothing. But what Jesus wants you to know is you may think you're nothing, but I love to take nothing and make something out of it. I love to take just a frail human being like you, that you look at your weaknesses and all that, but give you authority. I don't have power over Satan. I have authority over Satan's power. And when I use the name of Jesus, that authority will stop Satan's advance and demons and all the other things. The name of Jesus is our power of attorney over Satan's kingdom. Rejoice in that. I'll see you tomorrow.